Father, we thank you for your word to us this morning. We pray that as we continue to look through this series of the church, that as we look at these verses from Acts, that first church, that you'll remind us and show us once again what your church is to look like as we live out our faith and our trust in you as living stones. Help us, we pray, by your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. I wonder if you remember those stories that you either read yourself or had read to you with that wonderful ending, and they lived happily ever after. There's some nods, I'm sure you... What was your favorite? Cinderella, I guess. And that's, that's a good one, isn't it? The prince finding the foot that fits in the slipper and they get married and they live happily ever after. Although there's some versions where there's quite a, a gruesome ending uh, in Cinderella. But let's not go down that path. But to most people, this idea of happily ever after is a fairy tale. It's not real life. It's just stories that are made up. There's no chance of anyone ever having that happily ever after. Well, last week we began our uh, series thinking about the church and we saw how in Matthew and in 1 Peter uh, that the church is not a building uh, but it is rather a people who confess that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of the living God. It's a people who have come to the living stone, Jesus, by faith and are themselves living stones being built up into a spiritual house, a spiritual temple where God dwells. And it is those those living stones, those who have come to Jesus by faith, uh, we are told that they are the blessed ones. So in the Beatitudes, uh, we're told who the blessed ones are, and it is those people. They are the blessed ones. They are the happy ones. They are the ones who will have a happily ever after with Jesus uh, forever. Uh, And we read this morning uh, in verse Uh, 46, they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God. This was a people who had found true true joy and lasting happiness in Christ. In him, he is the source of true joy. So the idea of happily ever after isn't a fairy tale. It's made reality in Jesus. Earlier on in this chapter in Acts, Peter had been preaching. He'd been proclaiming the good news of Jesus. Uh, And at the end, we read how 3,000 were added uh, to their number that day. 3,000. What a great day that must have been in the church as 3,000 bowed the knee to Jesus in repentance and faith. And we see that God is at work building his church as people come by faith to the living stone. And he does that as his word is proclaimed. The church is growing. This new community is being brought together and built up, uh, bringing people from all different backgrounds and all uh, different places together uh, in Jesus. And so as this church is growing, as this new community grows, and he's brought together, there is unity. 
there is unity among the people. And so as this uh, house is being built, what is it to look like? What are the characteristics uh, of the church to be? And that's what we see uh, partly this morning in Acts uh, chapter 2. And the first thing that we see is uh, they devoted themselves. They were devoted. Uh, the people uh, of the church were devoted. They gave themselves wholeheartedly, uh, occupying their time and their energy. They had a hunger uh, to be with the people of God. When we love something, we give our time, don't we? We give our energy uh, to uh, whatever that is. We give our whole selves. And these people, as they've come to the living stone, Jesus, by faith, they give themselves wholeheartedly. And this is the first thing that they uh, devoted themselves to. They devoted themselves to learning. This was a learning church. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. John Stott in his commentary said, the Holy Spirit opened a school in Jerusalem uh, that day. God wants his people to be learners. 1 Peter 2, at verse 2, like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow into your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. We as God's people are to have a hunger uh, for spiritual milk. Just as a baby has a hunger and lets us know every time it screams and cries that it's hungry and wants feeding, we too are uh, to have that same hunger and desire for uh, spiritual milk, for uh, God's word, for the teachings of the apostles. And what are those teachings of the apostles? It's what we've got here. The New Testament uh, is the apostles' teaching. Uh, it's teaching about Christ, about who he is, about what he came to do, about how we're to live in response to him how we're to be obedient in our lives. It speaks and teaches uh, of what will happen when he returns. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching. There was a hunger for the word uh, of God. And in his goodness, God has given us his word. We have the gift of his word bound together uh, here. That's why at Trinity, the word of God is central to all that we do. We should be devoted to it. Not just on a Sunday morning when we gather and we have it read and explained. We shouldn't just want to fill our heads with knowledge. We should have a desire to be in God's word, learning, not just for that knowledge, but so that we can live it out so that we can know more of who Christ is, uh, so that we can be obedient uh, children of God. A church that's not devoted uh, to God's word, to teaching the Bible, is a church that is sick. A place where the people are not fed, where God's people are not fed, uh, and a it'll be a place where unbelievers don't hear the gospel. A church not devoted uh, to the apostles' teaching, to God's word, is a place where people will starve. And so we need to be uh, devoted. Can we say that of ourselves? 
Is there a hunger within each of us for God's word? Is there that desire to spend time each and every day reading the words of Scripture? If we want to be a healthy church, and we should want to be a healthy church, we must be a people, a church that is devoted to the word of God. They were also devoted to each other. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. That word fellowship uh, has the meaning of partnership, of sharing together uh, in something. And so those who come to Christ by faith become partners with him and in turn with his people. And so John says in John 1, 3, we proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And so as we have that fellowship with Christ, we have fellowship with God the Father, but we also have fellowship with one another. In him, that we are joined together and we share life. We've been brought together as this new community. A.W. Tozer in his book writes, has it ever occurred to you that 100 pianos all tuned to the same fork are automatically tuned to each other? They are of one accord by being tuned not to each other, but to another standard to which each one must individually bow. So 100 worshippers meet together, each one looking away to Christ, are in heart nearer to each other than they could possibly be were they to become unity conscious and turn their eyes away from God to, to strive for closer fellowship. As we come to Christ, uh, we are united together as his people. We are in close fellowship with one another. And we should be striving for closer fellowship uh, with our brothers and sisters in Christ. We should have that devotion uh, to each other. And as we thought about briefly last week, we should want to be uh, together with our brothers and sisters in Christ. We should want to share life together beyond this hour or two on a Sunday morning. There's nothing in Scripture uh, that says uh, the Christian life is to live, to be lived away uh, from God's people. We are bound together in Him. Verse 46 of Acts, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. They didn't just meet at once a week. They met day to day. Yes, we're in a different culture now, uh, but they met often. They had that desire and hunger to be together. In the temple, the larger gathering of the church and in people's homes, those smaller groups uh, in different places. It's an amazing privilege that we have as we're joined together uh, in Christ. And so do we have that same desire to be together, to be with our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. Dietrich Bonhoeffer writes, uh, it is grace, nothing but grace, 
that we are allowed to live in community with Christian brothers and sisters. It's an amazing privilege uh, we have being brought together uh, in Christ. And so we must be devoted, we must be committed, we must work hard to grow closer in our relationships uh, with one uh, another. And notice how uh, that devotion to each other uh, worked itself out. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. There was a willingness uh, as they were in these close relationships uh, to give of themselves, to sell their possessions in order to meet the needs uh, of a brother or sister. It's an amazing picture of being devoted, uh, that care uh, for one another, that willingness uh, to go without for the sake of meeting the need of another. Are we willing to do that? Do we have that same devotion? Do we have that same care and love uh, for those in our fellowship? We can only do that if we share life uh, together. They were also devoted to breaking bread. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread. There's some debate and discussion as to what this means, uh, and you'll see it footnoted in uh, the Pew Bibles. Some say this was the communion meal. Some say this was a meal that they had as they met. Um, I don't think they had the distinction that we have today. I, I think that as they met together and ate food together, uh, they were reminded of what Christ had done for them. And they were filled with thankfulness. Uh, and wine and bread were part of Jewish meals anyway. And so it doesn't seem unreasonable to me that at the end of their meal, they would break bread and drink wine in remembrance and thankfulness for what Christ had done. They were filled with praise. Their hearts were glad and sincere. They were a thankful people rejoicing in their new life in Christ. And so, in effect, as they were devoted to breaking bread, they were devoted to praise, devoted to giving thanks uh, to God for his goodness, for all that he had done for them. And we know that we're never short of anything uh, to praise and thank God for. We've shared two things this morning uh, that we're so thankful to God uh, for, but there are many other things that we can give him thanks and praise uh, for each and every day. There's that modern hymn that my heart is filled with thankfulness to him who bore my pain, who plumbed the depths of my disgrace and gave me life again, who crushed my curse of sinfulness and clothed me in his light and wrote his law of righteousness with power upon my heart. As we come to the table this morning and share bread and wine, let our hearts be filled with thanks and praise to our great God for all that he has done for us in Christ as he died on the cross uh, for us. Let's not forget 
how our lives have been changed and transformed because of Jesus. So let's be devoted as they were to praise uh, and giving thanks. And finally, they were devoted to prayer. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. If you were to sit down and read uh, the Acts of the Apostles, you would so often see uh, the people of God in prayer. There was a devotion to prayer. Prayer was central to the life uh, of the church. They were persistent in prayer. It wasn't just uh, some segment of their life. Prayer permeated the whole of the life of the church. They prayed when they met together. They prayed uh, individually. They prayed without ceasing. And again, a healthy church is a praying church. It's a church uh, that relies upon God, that wants to commune with our Father in heaven. And what an amazing privilege that is, that we have the creator of all things, the one who sustains all things. We can approach him and call him our Father. I've shared this uh, illustration before, but I can relate to it so much now, having a dog of my own. And Martin Luther, one of the reformers, uh, used to sit at his dinner table and and he'd look down at this puppy uh, that he had And he noticed how it just sat there, motionless, eyes wide open, stirring in the hope uh, that a bit bit of food would drop and he'd be able to snatch it up. And I have that same problem uh, with our dog. She just sits there waiting, unmoved, fixed. For hours she would sit there waiting for food to drop. Uh, And Luther said, Oh, if only I could pray the way the dog watches meat. All his thoughts are concentrated on the piece of meat. Otherwise, he has no thought, wish, or hope. Don't we want our prayers to be like that? Completely devoted to prayer. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Is that us? Are we devoted to prayer? Do we give at time each and every day to talk to our Heavenly Father? Are we devoted to praying together with each other? Maybe after our service this morning, uh, we can be challenged to ask uh, somebody, uh, what can I pray for you? Do you want to meet and pray at some point uh, this week together? This was a church that devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And this was the result as the church of God lived like this. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Isn't that amazing? As the church of God, as the people of God lived these distinct lives from the world, uh, the world around sees that and is drawn to it. Living this way and being a witness in this way uh, doesn't convert people. We still need to proclaim the gospel as Peter did and as the church did. But what an amazing witness it is uh, as as a church, uh, as this church here 
in Accrington lives with these being devoted to these things that we've seen uh, this morning. What an amazing witness that will be to the people of this town. How amazing uh, for them to see that as we grow in our devotion uh, to the apostles' teaching, uh, to the uh, fellowship to one another, to breaking of bread, to praising God, and to prayer. The church of God, the people of God, always want to see more people brought into his kingdom. That uh, should be our desire as well. I don't know about you, but these verses uh, are a real challenge. They should be a real challenge to us as a church. The church is a place of people that has found true uh, joy, lasting happiness in Christ. It is a people who are devoted to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Let's spend a moment in quiet asking God to help us uh, to grow in our devotion uh, to those things that we've seen this morning so that he may be glorified, so that we may be built up and his kingdom uh, grow uh, in Accrington. Father, we thank you that in Christ we are united together as your people. And we pray that you'll grow our devotion to your word, to each other, to giving you praise and thanks and to prayer. We pray that as your people gathered here at Trinity, that we will be a good witness to those around us. That people will be drawn to you through us. That you will be glorified. And that more people will be uh, added uh, to your kingdom. Please be at work, we pray. Amen.